0: Well, good morning, First Press. It's wonderful to to be here this morning. Um, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Chip and John and the rest of the session for your kind invitation for Robin and I to be here this morning. It's a it's truly a pleasure to be here. Uh, I bring greetings to you from your brothers and sisters at Strong Tower Fellowship. Pastor Tom, in particular, wants to send his love. On behalf of everyone at Strong Tower, I want to take a second to thank you and your leaders for the kindness that you've shown to to us over the past six years. We're so grateful for your love. And here's a few things that Robin and I want to personally thank you for. Your prayers, even before we arrived, The kindness and love Robin has experienced from Barbara Miller and the rest of the women's Bible study. The encouragement and friendship I've received from Pastors Chip and John. Uh, The royals and the scurries for opening their hearts and their homes to us uh, when we arrived. An unnamed couple here at First Press for forgiving us when we needed it. The kindness and well wishes of so many that I can't name them all. And lastly, we, we're, we're so thankful for Pastor Tom and Sarah who've embraced Robert and I as family. This morning I'm going to be preaching from Romans 1, 16, and 17. And um, that probably sounds like leftovers to you. You just um, had that meal a few weeks ago. Pastor Chip called me um, and uh, when he found out what I was preaching from. And, um, and he told me that he had just preached um, from that passage uh, several weeks ago. And you know what that's like for an inexperienced pastor like me to be told by an expert that he just preached from the same passage. Um, How many of you have eaten Ellen Royals' dinner rolls? Okay, so you understand it would be kind of like being invited over to the Royals and being asked to bring dinner rolls. I mean, it's just... Uh, I want to assure you this morning that my roles won't be like Pastor Chip's. The quality just won't be there, but um, bear with me. In our passage this morning, uh, from Romans 1, 16 and 17, the the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And if the Apostle was a super-Christian... Um, then it wouldn't be surprising that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. As a matter of fact, I often wondered, why, why didn't he say, I'm proud of the gospel? Why did he put it in the, in the negative? And the reason is, is because if the gospel was about him, he would have a reason to be ashamed. But the Apostle Paul made clear in a confession that he made at the end of his life that he said in 1 Timothy, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I am the chief. So if Paul was still a big sinner at the end of his life, um, then he should have been ashamed of the gospel because it doesn't work if the gospel was about him. It's kind of like if you spend a lot of money on a brand new car and it keeps breaking down, um, you'd be ashamed of owning that car. And the gospel's the same way. Uh, once again, if the gospel is about us, um, what is what is the sin that easily besets you? Is it gossip? Is it unfaithfulness in relationships? Cheating? Selfishness? Lying? We, we lie, but we're not liars. No. Greed? Racism? Idolatry? Maybe an addiction? I understand that Pastor Chip talked about pornography last week. Is that, is that your struggle? <clears throat> With all of our sin and unbelief, how can we possibly say that I'm not ashamed of the gospel? In our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul reveals that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel because it wasn't about him, it wasn't about his goodness, it wasn't about his glory. The gospel is about Jesus. It's about his goodness, and it's about his kindness to messy people like you and I. Read with me from God's holy word, Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, we ask for your Holy Spirit this morning to open our ears and open our hearts to receive this incredible word from the Lord that the gospel is all about Jesus and not about us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel because, number one, it's the power of God for salvation. Excuse my throat. Just getting over a cold. Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that power of or from God is explained in Ephesians uh, chapter 118, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. And then he explains it. He explains the power and he explains the might. He says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So the power at work in the gospel is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But how does the p- gospel teach us to access that power? This is really counterintuitive. How do you get power? You become strong, right? You become powerful. But that's not what the gospel teaches us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So the way we access gospel power isn't by being strong, it's admitting that we're weak. It's by being honest to the fact that I can't do what God's called me to do. But it's a power for salvation, and most of us think oftentimes of salvation Maybe of getting saved, maybe as what it took to make me a believer. But salvation is, is much more um, comprehension than just that point of becoming a believer. It includes justification, which means to be declared righteous. Romans 5 1, therefore, since we have been justified, are made righteous. By faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What that means is that God has already in the past declared not only that you and I are not guilty, but that we are righteous. That's a legal standing. It's a a pronouncement by a judge that you are righteous. Righteous. Jack Miller, who uh, who developed the Sonship curriculum, uh, had this statement, you will never be any more righteous than you are today. And when I first heard those words, it was the first uh, few months of being in a Presbyterian church, and uh, Robin and I had both become believers in, in churches that kind of had a different uh, Christian worldview, very Arminian, and I remember when I heard that said, that you will never be any more righteous than you are today, that I kind of nudged Robin and I said, I don't know if that's true, but that really sounds good. I mean, it just blessed me that we are righteous because we know our mess. I mean, we, we know what happens behind closed doors and to be declared righteous is an incredible gift of God. And it happened by the very power that rose Jesus from the dead. But salvation also includes sanctification, and that, that is the reflection of righteousness, that more and more that God is granting by his power that we would reflect the very beauty of God himself. Ephesians 2.8 eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. That's the work of sanctification created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we can't boast. This is a righteousness that has come from God. It's a, it, it comes by His power. Hebrews 10 says, For by a single offering He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, those who are being perfected, He's already perfected. It's God's power that enables us more and more to reflect what is beautiful and good in this world. But also uh, salvation includes glorification, and that means being completed in righteousness. Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself perfect in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. I mean, in the twinkle of an eye, dear brothers and sisters, we're going to be changed and we're going to be made like him. That's going to be by the power of God himself. And this whole work of salvation happens from start to finish, from first to last... It happens by God's power and goodness, not our own. You know, when we left the United States back in 2012 to go to Nairobi, Kenya, there was hardly any construction happening um, here in the States. But we got to Nairobi, and everywhere throughout the city, they were building these these huge, uh, towering buildings. And, and they had these um, these... Cranes. Now, somebody this morning told me what they were called, and now I forget. Those huge cranes at the work sites of these large buildings, who knows what those are called? Huh? Gant- gantry? Okay. They're, they're gantry trains, according to uh, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> and um, those cranes... Are designed to lift what you can't lift yourself. The, these huge beams that 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 the that the uh, buildings are made of. Can't, n- n- no man can lift those those beams, and so you have to have cranes to do that. Well, that's the power of God to allow us to do what we can't do. In other words, in in other words, the gospel is like a crane that does the heavy lifting of righteousness both to us and through us. And some of you have no doubt that you needed God's power to become a believer but are trying to do that heavy lifting of righteousness in your own strength and you're probably wore out. (laughs) You know, when we try... When we try to do in our strength what we don't have the power for, either we're going to get discouraged and we're going to get worn out, which I spend a lot of time there. I mean, just honest confessions, I'm a recovering Pharisee. I try it over and over and over to lift that beam myself, and I wear myself out. Either we're going to be worn out or we're going to lower the standard so that we can lift it ourselves, and that's called being a Pharisee. And the alternative is just to confess that we're weak and that we need God's power. So Paul Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation and because it reveals God's righteousness. Verse 17, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So what is God's righteousness? Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what that tells us is what it's not. It's not um, how you dress or what food you eat or even whether you drink or smoke. Micah 6.8 tells us what it is. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, what is righteous. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? James puts it this way. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world, so god 's righteousness is it has to do with compassion and, and, and humility, but also in Romans one, it has to do with more than that. I'm under obligation, both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also, who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it 's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and then to the Greek. So what God's righteousness has to do with is not only compassion and humility, but it has to do with reconciliation. And that's a hard pill to swallow because, I mean, if we're going to be honest, we're more comfortable with people who are like us. I mean, it's hard enough to love people that are like us, right? But now you're calling me to love somebody who is totally different than me. But that's the call of God's righteousness. It causes us to really have to just kind of fall down on our knees and say, help Jesus. You know, if you're married, you know it's it's hard enough to love cross gender, but now we're called to love cross culturally and cross racially and economically. I mean, that is not easy. I mean, because... In our, in our sinful flesh, we just like to be comfortable. We just like to, uh, we just like to have things our way. We like to be in control. And you go, you go cross cultural, and it's it gets messy, right? But that's God's righteousness. And the gospel teaches us this kind of righteousness or beauty comes from God. It's a righteousness from God. I love looking at a full moon. It's so beautiful and it reflects I mean on a dark night it just brightens up the night, doesn't it? But the moon has no light of its own. It's It just reflects an alien light. A light that comes from the sun and that's how we are with righteousness. I mean We have no light. We're called the light of the world only as we abide in Christ. Apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. So the light is just a reflection. As a matter of fact, when when somebody called Jesus good, he said, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. And that means there's no light coming from man. It comes from God. It comes from our ability to abide in him and connect in him and fall down on her knees and say, I need you, Jesus. Are you wanting to become a Christian or or rather, are you waiting to become a Christian? If you're if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to the Lord and the reason is, is because you just you're waiting till you become a, a better person, ask the Lord to forgive your sin and unbelief and grant you righteousness as a gift. Do you have meaningful relationships with people from other races and cultures or economic status? And once again, I understand if you don't. This is totally countercultural. But ask the Lord to forgive whatever attitude of heart that separates you from other races and cultures and ask Him for a love for people that are different from you? Or has somebody hurt you deeply or betrayed you or disappointed you? And it's hard to forgive. Of course, you can't in your own strength and by your own goodness, but ask the Lord for his. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. It reveals God's righteousness. And lastly, It's by faith in God. Verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So what is faith? Hebrews 11 says it's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And what I like to say is that faith is is trusting Jesus to do what I can't do. In other words, faith, I can't, I can't even love my wife the way I'm called to love her, let alone love my enemy, let alone love my neighbor as myself. You know, eight months ago, my wife Robin and I returned from the, uh, to the U.S. from Nairobi, Kenya, and uh, to get home, we didn't swim, uh, we trusted we trusted an airplane to get us over the Atlantic. The Atlantic is thirty five hundred miles across I believe, and we're both good swimmers, but we 're not that good and uh and the and the truth is it would be foolish for us to try to do what we can 't do on our own to try to trust our own strength to do what can't be done in our own strength and it's the same with with this walk with the Lord I mean it's silly we do it but it's silly to trust in ourselves to to do this and so if you're finding yourself here this morning just kind of there just I'm really not trusting the Lord Uh, to love the way I'm called to love I'm really not calling uh, trusting the Lord to reconcile the way I'm called to reconcile, um, then trust the Lord for his strength, for his power, for his goodness to do what you cannot do. You know, it's so easy in conclusion to make the gospel about ourselves. It's just the screensaver of our flesh. And the best way that I know to detect when i 've reverted to more moralist, less moralistic self focused gospel or righteousness here, here, here's how here 's how I detect it in myself when i 'm hard on myself when, I'm, when, when I lack mercy for, for even me, when I lack mercy for you when I lack compassion and, uh, and uh, when i 'm hard on you and lastly when I place boundaries on who I will love. That's just kind of a good self-diagnosis. You know, kind of take your pulse and see if you're kind of tracking in this gospel that's all about Jesus. And if you're not, it's okay. Just go to Romans 1 and look at verse 16 and 17 and be reminded that it's not about your power The gospel is the power of God to save from first to last. It's not about your righteousness. The gospel reveals the righteousness that is from God. And it's not about your effort, but it's by faith in God to do what you and I cannot do. May the Lord grant us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us this morning. Amen. Father, we are so grateful to you for your word. We ask, dear Jesus, that you will make it a part of our understanding and that it would burn in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you will stand for the benediction.